everybody. This is Doreen Morin Van Dam. I just had an amazing podcast session with Ryan here at the World of Speakers podcast. I'm excited for you to be listening to some of these awesome tips to get you on video, to get you over the fear of getting on camera. That is my message. We had a great conversation and I can't wait for you to listen to it and get over that fear and go and have fun with video. Welcome to the World of Speakers podcast, brought to you by Speaker Hub. In each episode, we interview a professional speaker and reveal their very best tips and tricks. You'll learn to improve your presentation skills, keep your audience engaged, and learn how to grow your business to get more gigs and make more money. Here's your host, Ryan Foland. And we are back. This is Ryan Foland, and today I have got Doreen Morin Van Dam here at the World of Speakers. Doreen, how are you? Good. How are you, Ryan? <laughs> I'm good. I just like to jump right into it, just like a swift jump flying backside flip kick like Jean-Claude Van Damme was. And so my first question, are you related to Mr. Jean-Claude Van Damme? I am not, but I am from his part of the world. I'm not from Belgium, but okay. a country to the north of that, I'm from the Netherlands. Now that that is amazing, right? I mean, I grew up watching Chuck Norris, Van Damme, Steven Seagal, and if their feet and hands were words, they were spreading their message all over the world, solving, you know, damsels in distress and, and different plots by evil people to throw over the world. Yeah, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, it's definitely a cool name to have. And even though it's my maiden name, I've included it in my speaker name because I do think that it's a great conversation starter. Now, this is just randomly your speaker name. So do you go by a different name outside of speaking? My legal name is Doreen Morin. That's my oh. legal name. When I got married 28 years ago, I was very new to this country and not a single person had pronounced Van Damme right. <laughs> and so I got upset and I said, I'll just take my husband's name. And I didn't keep that Van Damme part. But as a speaker, that's what I've branded myself as Morin Van Dam. Um, I also wear a pair of orange glasses, kind of as a nod to my Dutch heritage. Because wow. if you've watched the Olympics or if you've watched soccer, of course, they didn't make it to the World Cup mm. for next year. But you'll see the orange fans everywhere. Dutch is kind of the adopted national color of the Netherlands. So those wow. are two pieces in my branding that help me kind of stand out when people meet me. And I've met me online. They usually in person, they go, oh, I feel like I already know you. And those are those two things. See, orange is definitely my color too, since I'm a ginger. And so I, ah. I claim I claim that with my red beard and my orange freckles and my, you know, fair sure. skin. So I am the, yeah. the self-dubbed ginger MC. So it's a fun way of, uh, you know, including the brand so that you stand out a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. I've got an orange pen with uh, a red-headed, <laughs> you know, like head on the top, but I like the orange glasses. That's pretty sweet. It is. It is. It's part of my brand. It's part of my logo. Um, and, you know, I've, I've had over the years, probably I'm on my eighth, ninth pair of glasses, but whenever <laughs> I need a pair, they have to be orange. It's actually kind of hard to find sometimes when I need, I actually have two of the same pair right now because I lost, I lost one and it got into panic. I was like, oh, so I ordered a second pair, but yeah, it's, it's, that's how people recognize me. It works. And you're recognized as the person who is helping people overcome the fear, not of the big bad wolf, but the big bad camera. Yes, correct. All right. So tell us about how that started. I mean, you know, we always like to get to know our guests here, but were you always in front of the camera? Were you behind the camera? Like, tell us your story. Where did this all begin? I wasn't anywhere near a camera. 
<laughs> I was a stay-at-home mom for quite a few years. I was a nanny and a stay-at-home mom. Um, I did. I was a leader. I, uh, you know, I did a lot of volunteer work, and you know, was on the board of directors and president of a lot of local groups. So I have no problem speaking. But when my youngest of four children started kindergarten, he's in seventh grade right now. I was kind of looking for a second career, and I certainly wasn't going to go back to nannying after you know having raised a bunch of kids and having them be in elementary school. So I was looking for a new career, and I started out as a social media manager. And I found a great niche locally, local location-based businesses. I've been doing their management um, going on seven years now. And as video became more popular, the need to have video for social media became apparent. Well, that's when the issue of, hey, Doreen, video is great. We see that it works really well. We see that we reach a lot more people, but can you be on the camera for us? That's basically what I got from almost every business owner. And I would tell them, no, it needs to be authentic. It needs to be you. And I kind of developed a little program on how to get them in front of the camera, get them comfortable, little things. um, There's lots of tips, of course. But one of the things that I use for a lot of my clients is the interview style. And I'll go on camera with them and I'll interview them. Or I'll have them interview me or, you know, we do kind of a, you know, jumping back and forth kind of thing. But that really helps them. And now with live video, I still do that for a client. Anytime she goes live, I go to her office and I share that with her and it makes her feel more comfortable. Yeah, you had said jumping and I just thought in my vision of like you up on a cliff overlooking the ocean and with your client there and you're like, here, let me see your hand for a second. And then they grab it and then you just (laughs) jump, (laughs) bring them with you, right? Yeah. And it's kind of like that because if they don't know what to say anymore, I'm right there and I never am at a loss for a word. So, and they know that about me. So that, that works, that works out really well. And then, you know, we've kind of expanded on getting some of their employees on video, doing some how-to videos. Some of my clients now send me videos. So I had to get into video editing to help them out. You know, they would send me raw smartphone video um, files, and then I would create videos for them. But the reach is just so much better than posting pictures. So that's kind of how I got into it. And then um, as things grew and more and more people got into social media, the local college, I live in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, the local college started churning out a lot of students from the marketing department that had social media internships. So the need for me to be a social media manager locally kind of Mm. diminished a little bit. This happened about two, three years ago. So I had to kind of pivot in my business and go, well, where am I going to go? So there's a couple of different things that I did. I started speaking more, which I love. I started doing some training. I do coaching. I have several coaching clients, do some consulting. So that's kind of where I had to pivot, not just doing management, but also doing some of the other things. And then last October, a year from now, a year ago, I made a plan. I made a decision and I wrote it down that I was going to speak 12 times in 2017, get on some bigger stages, travel more. And I'm flying out Thursday. It'll be my 12th time. So I'm super excited to have fulfilled that. And I am looking, my next step is to work with a speaker's bureau. I'm not quite sure I'm ready, but I'm hopeful. So I'm going to talk to somebody and see if I am ready. But now I have lots of speaking experience. I did my first keynote. I did an international engagement in Canada. 
So I really feel like I've really grown, but it was really intentional. Like if I want to grow my speaking business, this is what I have to do. You are joining the elite club of the world of speakers. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And it's super exciting and I love it. Yeah. What I love about your story is just how it is really a a victim of your circumstance, right? I mean, you, you seem to have taken all these cues from the outside environment and you're pivoting and you're moving with the flow. And it seems like there's very much an organic path to it, as opposed to maybe some people that are more rigid in their views of what success looks like. It sounds like you just really are good at taking the opportunity as they flow your way. I love that. Yes. Yes. So that's what I'm looking at now. Like, where can I go? I actually had um, my first corporate training opportunity this summer, which wasn't something that I necessarily was looking at, but I so enjoyed it. I loved it. So I would like to do some more of that. So now I'm looking at that and that just kind of landed in my lap through contacts that I had made. So yeah, I'm definitely willing and able to go with what comes my way, but I really do love the stage. Yeah. I'm now thinking of the teleprompter, right? Like you're there in front of the camera and life is just feeding you the teleprompter and you're just confidently reading it like it was written for you. And then all of a sudden it's created your own reality of behind the camera, in front of the camera, editing all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something else that that's really been a fun little thing that came my way that I also didn't plan, but I am the pro bono social media consultant for one of the local news stations. It just kind of came about by accident. I was working for a charity. They came and did a piece. I was videotaping the video guy, the journalist, the interviewer. And he's like, what are you doing? I go, well, I'm doing social media. So I'm, I'm documenting that you're doing a documentary about them. And so he, this is like five, six years ago. And he got me in as a consultant um, on a piece he was doing. He needed some background information. I did some research for him. He was very appreciative. He introduced me to some other people. And now I've been on the local news about every two to three months. One of the news anchors calls me. They use me as a resource when a story breaks often about um, social media kids, social media teenagers. And I go on live TV. The segments have been as long as like 10, 12 minutes live TV. Some are shorter, three to five minutes. So locally, that's really helped me establish myself as a as a speaker as well. I have all, you know, all the, the reels of, of me being on TV and that's really been a great like social proof kind of thing. Yeah. It's powerful, especially when you're teaching people how to, I guess it's essentially media training. It, it only makes sense that you're practicing what you're preaching on live TV. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay, so let's dig a little bit into some of the tips and coaching and training that you give people because I know that a lot of speakers aspire to be on TV or they want to leverage the video component more, but it is intimidating. I mean, there's a lot of technical challenges. It's a whole different world when you have 300 eyeballs looking at you versus 300,000 on a live stream or something like that. So if we were to go kind of let's say beginner and then medium and then advanced, like what are some of the pieces of advice that you could give speakers who want to make that gap to getting in front of the camera? Okay, so I use an acronym, FEAR, and those are four the four main fears that people come to me with. And I can go over those. And that's kind of the beginner. I try usually to find out what is stopping people from getting on the camera, in, in front of the camera. The first one is fear of failure. People tell me all the time, I think I'm going to fail. And I tell them there's a lot of different things you can do, but as long as you can fail to post, 
you can fail to turn on the camera. But once you're on camera, you really can't fail. And then I turn it around and tell them, look at it as as an opportunity to have a one-on-one conversation with thousands of people. Just don't look at the camera. Look at your friend and talk to them and have that conversation with them because it's an opportunity to have your elevator speech be heard by thousands of people if you get yourself on camera. The second fear is fear of expense. You just mentioned that. You know, technology and expense, those are kind of go hand in hand. I always ask people, do you, are you aware what your most piece, uh, expensive piece of equipment is that you already own? It's your smartphone. Start hmm. with your smartphone, get a $10 little tripod that you can order off of Amazon and start recording videos with your smartphone. They are, they are very smart right now and the cameras are great. Get a little remote if you need to or use your headset as a remote and start creating videos that way. Um, It doesn't have to cost an arm and a leg. Sure, if you want to get a microphone and you want to get a green screen and lights, those are all things you can add. But the most important step is to get yourself on video and you do that with your smartphone. So the third one is an A, which is a fear of appearance. It's not just women that are afraid to be on camera and feel like they don't look right. Uh, Men have that same feeling. I always tell people, look at it as an opportunity to tell people how much you love your brand. And I give this example. If you, and I use my example, I'll go out on a run, I'm a runner early in the morning and I might have this brilliant idea. Well, when I come back back from my run, I have all these children at home that I wake up and make lunches and give them breakfast. I don't have time to take a shower usually until an hour later. But if I have this brilliant idea and I wanna show it or give it to my audience, I'll put on a hat I'll get in front of the camera and I'll say something like this. Hey guys, this is Doreen. I just went on a run. I had this brilliant idea and I wasn't going to go wait because I feel like you need this today. Hmm. And then I'll give them the idea. And then it doesn't matter because I'm going to tell you, people are not going to remember what you said. They're not going to remember what you look like. They're going to remember what you said in your message if it's authentic. So of course, if you go into a studio, it'd be great to put your makeup and you know, if your hair right, But if you're afraid of your appearance, just think about how much you love your brand and how much you want to share that with a person that you feel like you can really help either with your product or your service. And then that fear should disappear. It's an opportunity. I like that. The appearance doesn't matter. Make the fear disappear. Yes. Yeah. So the last R is, and this I think is a really big one and I, I, I get it. I totally get it. It's the fear that people think are going to lose reputation especially family and friends, if they're going to go live, and this is a lot of time with live video. Well, if I'm going to go live on Facebook, people might think that, you know, I'm getting too big for my britches, or they might think, you know, I'm this expert and, you know, I might not be, and they're really worried what other people think about them. And you just have to think, or again, turn it into a positive. You have become an influencer. If you go on Facebook and you go live or you have a recorded video and people watch it and comment and respond, you have now become an influencer within your industry. So it's a positive thing. So those are really the four things that I start with, kind of trying to identify what the fear is and then work on that part. Okay. Remind me the first F stood for, what did it stand for? Failure. Failure. Okay. So So you have failure and then expense and then appearance and then reputation. Yep. What do you think of those four is the biggest one that holds people back? Is it the fear of failure? Is it that they think there's too much cost to get involved? Or is it their fear of appearance? Or 
the fact that they are scared of, I like what you said, appearing to be bigger than their breaches. Yeah, I think the last one, from what I have seen, that's the one that holds them back the most. I think appearance, I can always get people past that pretty quickly. And this is a trick that I tell women, you know, and this is what I do. For example, tomorrow I have a hair appointment early in the morning. I'm going to make a bunch of videos tomorrow afternoon because my hair is going to look great. That gives me confidence. <laughs> yeah. So I already have my video scripted and ready to go tomorrow. So I tell women, you know, if you have a closet in your home office or in your studio or wherever in your home, I just change out the top, put some other earrings in, and I just record a bunch of videos all in the same day when my hair looks great, when I have confidence. So you can get past that appearance part, but it seems the hardest part is to convince people that their voice matters, that what they have to say matters, that there's an audience out there for everybody. If you love your product, if you love your brand, if you, if you are convinced that you, your service can help somebody, you know, to make a difference in somebody's life, then you should be posting a video. And if we can just, that's, that to me seems that's the hardest one to convince people. Yeah. And I would agree. And I think the challenge too, to make the transition from being a speaker to someone who's on video is that you, I think you somewhat control your environment when you're on stage, you know, you are ultimately in control. And I think that when you're in that live experience as an audience member, it's really just the person's on the stage and they are edified and they are that expert. But if you're just like randomly searching the internet and you see a talking head, like I know personally, sometimes your instinct is like, who is this guy or who is this girl? Like what yeah. gives them the right to be talking and preaching, especially the very close self-facing, facey, selfie, like yeah. in your face. It's <laughs> like, I see up your nostrils, like at least, you know, give me a shot that like is not aggressive. And I guess that's the appearance. But yeah, of those four, I agree. I think that the fear of being looked at as that guy who's always on Facebook. Yeah. And there's a social proof component too, right? What happens when you go live and you have like two viewers and they jump on and then jump off? It's like sort of that resilience, right? That's of Yeah, and you've got to get past that. I have had other speakers tell me what they do is they put a post-it note on that number. You know, when you see the count on live video, there's one person, five people, 10 people. Yeah. They put a, a sticky note on it. They don't want to see how many people are there because even if it's one or a hundred, the value you give should be the same. Right. Because and it, you should really think about, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just saying, cause it lives beyond that. Like there might be one person who's live, but millions of people could see the replay, right? Like the Chewbacca mom didn't necessarily, you know, feed off the fact that millions of people were watching us. Cause at that point there weren't millions, but there ended up being what 50 plus million that have seen it. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's something to remember. I have a friend who made a video last October when she was going through breast cancer treatment. She just gave makeup tips because she was bald and she just thought it would be great. She'd asked my advice. I told her what to do. She went live for 15 minutes. Five people were there. Now, 20,000 people I've seen and shared. And I think there was like 550 shares on Facebook of that one video. You don't know who's going to be there. So the confidence to just keep talking, just you know, and that goes into the kind of the medium part of what people are afraid of. You actually have to script your videos a little bit. You have to know what you're going to talk about. You have to have at least some bullet points and you have to have a beginning, a middle and an end because otherwise <laughs> you're going to create a video that's just going to keep going and going and going. And then that doesn't really serve anybody. Hmm. The biggest complaint that I hear of people, they say they see their influencers go live 
they wait too long. They wait for an audience to build. So, you know, anywhere between one and five minutes, mm. it's boring. They're sitting there. They're saying, you know, that if you have something to say, go ahead and say it. People can always watch the replay. And then the other thing they say is that they, they just keep talking. There's never an end to it, you know, and, and don't, I was going to say, don't be that person. You know, if you're going to be going on video, you know, have a purpose, know what you're trying to tell somebody, you know, have, have a point to the video and put that in the description. And then when you start your video say, Hey, this is Doreen today. I'm going to give you three tips on X, Y, Z, and then say, you know, welcome here's tip one, here's tip two, tip three, but give them what you're telling them you're going to give them and don't keep them hanging for long. Cause there's a lot of people out there and there's a lot of content out there and you want to reach them and you want to give them value. Now, a question for you. One of the one of my favorite pieces of advice for structuring content on stage is tell them what you're going to tell them, then tell them, then tell them what you told them. Yeah. And it sounds like that may, might be a similar structure here. Do you think that is translatable to the video component? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You want to do that in a title, tell them what you're going to tell them, but also when you start your video, because when people watch the replay and they see it's a 15 minute video, you want to tell them what you're going to say and that it has value Yeah, because otherwise they're never going to watch that 15 minutes. So is there a, let's get into some of these like brass tacks, the questions that I have, maybe everybody else has. Is there an ideal video length when it comes to produced and then the same question for live. And I know it's dynamic, but I'm curious to see your thoughts on that. Um, it really depends on the platform. Okay, fair enough. And right. Yeah, so yeah. on Facebook, if it's a short video, like an animation or a funny video or something, I don't think people watch much more than two and a half, three minutes. And it would be great if it has subtitles because then people are going to understand what the video is about. A live video, when it first came on last year, the recommendation was to go live for a minimum of five minutes because it would take Facebook a little bit of time to alert your followers that you were live. And that's why people were waiting. And some people mm. are still doing that. They haven't caught up. But it takes you know one to five minutes for people to get the notification, oh, Doreen is live. Then they come. Then you go live. So the recommendation used to be go live for 15 minutes. I don't think that's really true anymore. And so many people now go live. If you go live for 15 minutes, unless you have a weekly show, you might not reach the right people because they're just not going to sit there and watch it. A lot of people just aren't. If you're not a big name, if you are a, you know, if you're just starting out, I would really recommend doing a live video and sticking with three to five minutes, giving them value in those three to five minutes, maybe three tips or five ideas or two things to work on, or even just one thing, um, and then move on, give that, give that information and then be done. So going to Instagram, you know, you can do a minute there, but you can go live for an hour. Right. So again, you know, are people going to sit on Instagram live for an hour? I don't know anybody that goes on Instagram. <laughs> it's Insta, you know, so I'm not watching any live videos on Instagram. Right. It doesn't hold my attention. I'm not on my phone as much. I'm on my laptop more. So then it depends on who your audience is. If you're targeting millennials, maybe they will watch live video on Instagram. So it, there's just, there's really not a right answer, but 
if somebody is starting out with video and wants to know an answer to that, I would work with them and say, well, let's try this for two weeks. Look at the analytics. Let's see who was there. Let's see what worked and, you know, maybe try something a little longer or something a little shorter. And just everybody's going to find that sweet swap spot eventually. Well, I think you, you hit it there on the head, which is the answer is that it depends. And <laughs> I like this concept of try it, test it, measure it, try it again, test it, measure it. So there is a, yeah. a science to it where you're just not going to automatically jump into the success and Gary V following and, and all of that. So let's, you know, I, this is a great acronym of fear of not being fearful of the failure, the expenses, your appearance, your reputation. But what are some of the, the actual the tips that you're giving people when you're coaching them on these live videos, let's get a nice potpourri of, you know, maybe some of the most frequent advice that you give, some of the most difficult advice that you give. You don't have to name clients, but maybe we can touch on some different situations. And I guess the question as an overarching is, do they all apply to speaking on stage and live? And, you know, that the, the difference between the two, where those worlds collide, I think would be really interesting. Yeah. So I think where the worlds collide is that in order to be good on video and in order to be a good speaker, you have to be willing to practice what you're going to say. And if you're not willing to do that, if you think you're going to get up on stage and you have a slide deck and you're just going to wing it, it's never going to be so good as what it Mm. could be. If you woke up every morning for two weeks prior to your speech and you would go over your speech, if it's say it's 45 minutes, I did my first keynote, I woke up early in the morning, and the four days prior, I did it twice a day, it was a 45 minute keynote, I did it first thing in the morning, and I did it after dinner. So I I went through my whole keynote eight times leading up to my keynote. I wanted to know it forwards and backwards, I wanted to know which slide was next, I wanted Of course, I could change some of the words, but I wanted to know it like I know my material. I can talk to you for the next five hours about video because I know my stuff. I wanted that keynote, that speech to be like that. I didn't want it that I was just grasping for ideas. I wanted to be so solid. So when you compare that to video, one of the things that I have my clients, whether they're my social media management clients or my coaching clients do is if they're afraid to be on video, I tell them that they need to go in a room for an hour, they need to block an hour, lock the door, (laughs) have their smartphone with them, and have one scripted video that they're going to practice either 30 times or one hour, whichever comes first. Mm. And it could be their elevator speech or something else. And what I want them to do is turn on the video on their smartphone, record themselves. If they say something wrong or they feel it's going wrong, stop it. Then I want them to watch it back and then delete it and then do take number two and then do it again. And then when you make a mistake, you stop it, you watch it back, you delete it, and then you do take number three. And it's either going to take an hour or you can do 30 takes. And three things will happen. Three things will happen when you do that. First of all, you're going to understand how your smartphone works. Hmm. You're going to get the lighting right, you're going to look at your background, you might have forgotten to lock your dog out of the room, so they're walking in the background, you might realize you're sitting, have the window behind you instead of in front of you, the lighting is wrong, maybe your phone was ringing while you were doing it, you forgot to put it on do not disturb, you know, there's all these things, you're going to get comfortable 
with recording yourself on video and comfortable with your smartphone using it for video. That's the first thing that happens in that hour. Trial by fire. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Second thing that happens is that you're going to completely get over yourself. You know how you watch yourself on video and you go, oh, you cringe? Yeah. Well, if you watch yourself 30 times on video, you're over it. You're over it. That's it. You're creating your own immunity to yourself in your face. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. And then the third time, the, the third thing that happens in that hour is you will come to the conclusion that getting it done and getting a video finished is better than getting it perfect because there's no such thing as a perfect video. And when my clients get to that point, they're ready to record videos. But if they don't go through that process, they're just not ready because they're going to be anxious. And they're, you know, if they go through this on their own with the door locked and they practice this, then they're ready for more videos. And then you're ready for having somebody else be your camera person. Because the other thing that I find is that if I hold the camera, a lot of my clients initially are worried about what they're going to look and, you know, what I'm recording. But if they're by themselves, they get over that and they get over that fear. So then after that, they're more comfortable if I do the recording or if somebody else is in the room or they have to interview somebody. But being alone is important. Now to do that on live video, there's a really great tip. And some people know this, but a lot of people don't know this. When you're getting ready to go live on Facebook, you can set your audience to public to friends, to specific friends. You can also set your audience to only me. And when you set your audience to only me, you can go live on Facebook and nobody can see it. Wow. So you get to practice the tools. You get to, you know, play with all the filters that are out there. You get to see how long it takes you, how many times you say, um, whatever you want to do. And you can then delete it or save that recording afterwards and nobody can see it. So that's a really good power tip. Before somebody goes live, I tell them, go try that because going live for three minutes and basically you're talking for three minutes and you don't see your audience is super intimidating. So going live to only you is a great tip for people to practice. That's great. I, I didn't even know that was available. Yeah. So here's kind of the magic question when it comes to all this. And what I think is so exciting about the advice you just gave, the power tip. This is like hashtag power tip. What would you think people's perception is about how long it takes them to get comfortable doing video? Just in a general sense. Like if you talk to somebody, you hadn't met with them and you ask them, how long will it take you to get comfortable with video? What do you think an answer would be that someone would give you? They might tell me never. Okay. Okay. So, if it's, okay. <laughs> right? Perfect. But what I love about your power tip here, not just the Facebook power tip, but this general power tip about locking yourself in a room for an hour and doing a recorded script over and over and over. It's an hour. You're basically helping people get comfortable on camera in 60 minutes. Yep. And I would assume most people think it's going to take them weeks or months or, or even never, but that's really crazy. If you stop and think about it for a second, people waste more than an hour <laughs> seven or eight times a day, right? Yeah. So to be able to to lock yourself in a room and have three clear, tangible outcomes, that's something that is very empowering. And it's something that somebody can do before they even hire a professional like you just to jumpstart the process. Yes, absolutely. And I think that when people when people try this, it's kind of fun because I had I did have somebody said that they did it and then I had them send me a video and I could tell they had not done it. I was like, Ooh. you didn't do this for an hour. <laughs> I can tell. Yeah. Right? 
So that's another interesting part that goes with that, that, you know, I can tell that you've watched yourself 30 times on, on video. I can tell that, you know, where the camera lens is and you're looking in the camera lens. I can tell that you figure out your lighting. I can tell that you figured out after like the fourth take that you needed to put down your video camera, your smartphone and have it stabilized, you know, against a stack of books or something. But then when you hold it and you talk, you know, it moves around. So all those little tr- things that happen, you figure that out by doing it 30 times. Wow. I, this is great. This is, you should come up with a name for this or like, well, let's build a hashtag around it. Like the, the 60 minute challenge, the 60 minute video challenge or the 30 by 30 test, or I don't know, something like that. Yeah. Well, I'm writing a book, so it's oh. going to be in the book. <laughs> <laughs> Better than that. Better than a hashtag is a book. But that's awesome. But but I like it because that could be my intro to the book. I really like that idea for, that you just said too. I should totally do that and have people go through this hour challenge and then give me feedback. Yeah. That's awesome. Definitely could do that. And all these little things that you know people did or didn't do, you know, you could sort of create almost a dialogue within that book, right? Because you know the outcome that they'll experience and you call it on it. And if people, you know, they'll realize that it's something to do or not. Like it makes the, the book a very functional kind of concept. Yeah. Ooh, and even better yet, here's a crazy idea. You provide them with maybe one or two scripts just as a test, but you make the scripts talking something that serves you. So like imagine a 30 second script about the 60 minute challenge so that they send you or you challenge them to share their first video and their last video as like a before and after, but somehow it serves you and brings awareness to the contest. Ooh, right? like, now you're we're cooking. Okay. So how about this? In the 60 minute challenge, there's two parameters. So you've got all your stuff, but you have to record and save the first take and you have to record and save the last take right? Don't have them delete the first one. Okay. Because what a fun way to look at one versus the other. That would be pretty cool, right? I think that would be really cool. Yeah. I have them delete them all because a lot of people also don't understand their storage, you know, availability. Sure. And so the other power tip is when you delete these videos, they're still going to be in your deleted files for 30 days. So then I have to go tell people now go to your trash and then go delete the deleted files because right. otherwise, because that's the other question that comes up. It says I don't have enough storage. Well, it's because those deleted files are still sitting there. So, <laughs> Which is all good to figure out in the comfort of your own closet as you locked yourself in there or whatever it is, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, your closet, your <laughs> office, yeah. But if they recorded the first one yeah. and gave that to you, that would be a really good like testimonial, right? Like You could even have fun in the editing room. And you could take that, almost do a screen side by side, or it just could become more collateral for you. Anyways, let's stop with the crazy ideas, keep with the power hits, and (laughs) let's move to kind of a combination of how being on live video can be an algorithm breaker, how it can help you stand out, and how it can actually help you to monetize. Or is it part of a monetization process as a speaker? Because I'm sure that you're dealing with companies that want to leverage video to get more revenue, more customers. You're dealing with speakers who want to expand their audience to maybe get larger gigs through that. Let's talk about the business behind getting comfortable with video as a speaker. Sure, sure. Well, one of the things that I have done is that when I am getting ready to speak somewhere, and I've done not done this every time, but I've done this several times, is I have made a little 
unsolicited <laughs> cameo of myself saying, Hey, I'm getting ready to speak at your, as this event, you know, if you're interested in video, you should really come to my session. And I text that to the event organizer. I did it last week for an event. I spoke on, on Friday and the reaction was, you know, a bunch of love emojis. And it was within 10 minutes, my video was on Instagram. Then it went to Facebook later that day and it was everywhere. And it just build up excitement to the people, the, the conference attendees that were coming. And this was the first time I had standing room only in this room that I was in. Now, it might have been, you know, the people that I was up against. This was a breakout session, but I had the bulk of the people of the conference in my room. And part of that, I think, might have been that they recognized me who I was from that video. And then when they were looking at their schedule, it was like, oh, I think I saw her on video. Yeah, let me go see her because I don't know who the other two people are. So as a speaker, I would highly recommend that you get comfortable with video and use that to connect with the attendees ahead of time. And I can tell you, my friend who was that organizer for that event, she was so appreciative. And I've done this at several other events. And Sometimes they ask for a video, but very few people make it. But if I have time, I will go ahead. Like tomorrow after my haircut, I'm making one for where I'm speaking this Friday. I'm just going to send it to the event organizer. They love to get that. That's great content for them to put out. Right. And and what's nice about this, this is when you're already speaking at an event. And I don't think everybody's thinking that, that far forward. You know, Brian Franzo is really good at this too. Whenever he goes to a conference, he'll use Facebook Live and announce that he's there and he'll talk about, you know, what he's going to talk about and when his session is. Because yep. when you're in a session that's competing against other sessions and you want the standing room only, you're saying you can use a live video, even sharing with the organizers who then edify what you're doing and help direct people to it. Absolutely. And if you want to promote or if you want to, you know, be speaking at a conference, you need to have a good speaker reel in order to, you know, to get that contract to speak. So you need to have a good speaker reel. And that's where a lot of video comes in. All those little things that you do, I just, and this, I'm kind of thinking ahead, but the talk I did past Friday was 10 ways to repurpose video. And I showed my speaker reel as an example where there were pieces in my speaker reel of speaking engagement I had done in 2013 and 2015 and a little promo that I had done for an event. And all this video is in my video library. And when I went to put my speaker reel together, I was able to pick and choose from all those videos, all that content that I had done and created that speaker reel to promote myself to see if I can get hired for the next gig. So that's also very important to get yourself on video if you're a speaker. And as you start to monetize it, what I'm finding now, it was utmost important that I have a video. That's why I just created a new speaker reel because the one I had wasn't very exciting, but it was super important. They want to see you. They want that social proof that you are not just saying I've been on stage, but they can watch you. And so having a lot of different places where you speak is very important. So you have a wide variety of different, you know, ways that you're on stage. You know, I had, I had a joke, I had some news, you know, cause I've been on the news, a couple of news reels on there and a couple of different places that I spoke at in my, in my speaker reel. So as a speaker it is super important to be on video. Okay. Now this is a question. Here's a hot pocket question for you. I don't know what a hot pocket question is, but that's what I just decided to call it. 
for your speaker reel, are you also encouraging people to share, you know, blips of them on Facebook Live or blips of them on live? Oh, yeah. It would be obvious if it's a television show, right? Like when you probably have you on the news, but... What is that? What Are we at a point now where your speaker reel should include you on live platforms? Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's just a little, um, a little, you know, 30 second or 10 second clip. Blurp or something. Yeah. Yeah. That you're do, especially if you're hosting a show, I think that would be really good because, you know, a, one way to repurpose your video is after your live is done to download that video and put it in your video library, which is what I tell people to do then you can upload it. You should upload it to YouTube, put an intro and outro, maybe edit the oohs and the ahs out of it. Or if you had technical difficulties, edit that part out of it. Now it lives on YouTube. You know, you tag, I'll do all the good stuff, get the SEO juice and then embed it in your website. So now you're repurposing that video everywhere. But if you have that video file of all those lives on your, in your video library, then when you go to make a speaker reel, Absolutely. If that's part of what you do and part of how you are an expert. And if you have a show, if you interview people, absolutely put that in your speaker reel. Wow. Okay. That's very cool. So you're not only leveraging video within conferences that you're at to get more exposure, but what are some of the advantages to playing around with video from a monetization standpoint? I mean, it's not really where you monetize your Facebook live, right? Uh, is it more that you're pushing people to your products and programs or things like that? How how do you advise your clients to use these video and get over the fear of the big bad camera? Why? How does that turn into money for people? And, you know, I work with a lot of local location-based small businesses. So they want to get people in the door. So they, for an example, um, one of my client and she sold her business since then, but had a tea room. And they were geared toward uh, women, 55 and over, to come have tea. And she utilized video by when she would go in in the morning, she would open up her tea room and start baking and cooking. And the tea room would open at 10 and she would serve lunch between 11 and 1 and then high tea until 4. Okay. So I told her, when you go in the kitchen and you start baking and you start making apple cake or lemon curd or a quiche, make a video and tell people what you're baking and make, tell people what you're cooking. Hmm. And so she started doing that and she would go today and, you know, she'd like rubbing her hands. She goes, I wish you could smell it. And she got very good at these videos, but if she had a special, you know, cauliflower crap, bisque soup or something, oh my gosh, people would come in and say, I want that special. I saw your video this morning. I want to come have that special. I want that quiche that you were talking about. The power of video and this, her audience was only on Facebook because they were an older audience. They weren't on Twitter. They weren't anywhere else. That was her main marketing platform. And it worked really well because they would see that video early in the morning, call their friend, make plans to have lunch and come to the tea room and have lunch. So that's one way to drive traffic straight into the business. That worked out really well. Another client of mine is doing live videos to get people to come to a self-defense class. So that's an event. You know, they can, we will drop the link um, to sign up to the Facebook. We made a Facebook event underneath and people can find out what they're going to learn, where it's going to be, why she's doing these self-defense classes. And then you drop the link to the event. People can join the event and then they can sign up. So they're very tangible ways you can use a Facebook Live to do business. For myself, I'm doing it for branding, you know, up-leveling my, you know, that people see me who I am. I just went to a live event and 
people were telling me, oh my gosh, you've been traveling so much. You see, you're all over. You've been to Canada and, and Europe and you've been here and there. My gosh, your speaking business must be doing great. I'm like, yeah, it is. You know, I am all over, but I'm posting that and I'm on Facebook and doing Facebook lives and telling people about the experiences I'm having. So then when they might meet somebody or they want to tell their friend about this great speaker, they're going to talk about me. So I'm not necessarily monetizing every live, but it's really helping my brand and brand awareness. Yeah. And the more exposure that people see of you as an expert traveling around the world, you're going to become top of mind when it comes to the person who is helping people get over their fear of failure, of expense, of appearance, and of, uh, what was the last one? Reputation. I don't know if reputation, (laughs) right? I had that there, but it's good. That's a good analogy. So for everyone out there who is a speaker and you are fearful of testing out your wares online, guess what? Get over it. Be like Jean-Claude Van Damme in a fight against a bad guy. And uh, if you need help, you've got Doreen who can uh, help you with the kicking and the karate chops and getting comfortable in front of the camera. Well, I know I've learned a lot. I'm going to check out the Facebook live only for me to, to do some testing one, two, three, yeah. as well as adding in some of the uh, live streams to my speaker reel. I think that's a great tip. Yeah. And then just the general power hitting tips of this 60 minute challenge to lock yourself in a room with a script that you've written or somebody's written for you, record the first one and the last one, whether the last one is the 30th take or at the end of the hour, and you will discover everything you need to know, <laughs> everything that will go wrong yeah. as kind of an accelerant. And you will. Yeah, and you will. Yeah. What the tech, right? There's always something. Yeah. It's funny because I did, um, years ago, I did a really cool video. I was in my office and, you know, I, j- I thought it was a cool video. It was just a tip. And I walked away from my computer and came back and I had all these comments on this video. And I thought, dang, I was better than I thought I was. Well, what happened was my dog was in the background, <laughs> which I didn't realize. Right? I usually locked them out and she had snuck in into a sunny spot and laid down on the carpet behind me. And everybody's going, oh, cute dog, cute dog. Uh, Never mind what I said. But (laughs) so sometimes having a prop (laughs) is a really good thing. But if you have an unexpected little cameo like that, having your dog or cat on your lap can also help you get more eyeballs on on your video. And then maybe they'll also listen to what you have to say. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the the one thing I hear throughout all of your messaging is a sense of excitement and the fact that this can be fun. It doesn't have to be stressful. And I think that's probably the biggest takeaway that I leave with uh, and that people should leave with is that it doesn't have to be a frightening, scary, evil, big, bad wolf. It's just a camera. And it's one more way for you to spread your message that eventually you can monetize as you travel around the world or the easiest way to travel around the world is through the internet, right? So you can establish yourself as a world of speakers all over the world through a live stream, through broadcast, through technology, right? Yes, absolutely. That's correct. Hey, well, if someone was to want to learn more, and we'll have all this in the show notes, but where would they find you? And then what is your favorite social media platform to be found on? Okay, right now it is Facebook. Just because I'm there live, I'm doing my live show, although it's been on a hiatus because I've been speaking so much. 
Facebook Messenger, I really find like almost that it's a separate platform. I connect with a lot of people on Facebook through Messenger app. Um, a lot of my speaker friends, you know, having one-on-one conversations. I have been hanging out more on LinkedIn. So I would say Facebook and LinkedIn are the two places where I'm, you know, several times a day, where is a great place for me to connect. Of course, like I said before, I am on Instagram, but um, I just try not to have that phone in my hand too much. I, I do have teenagers that watch me. Uh-huh. Of course, they're at school during the day, but I just don't want to be that person that is constantly connected and has their phone in their hand. I'm trying to be a little more conscientious of that. So I, I do like to separate those two things. And I can do, you know, Facebook and LinkedIn during the day when I'm at work. And um, it's a great way to catch me. Well, I think that's a great final message too, right? Make sure to keep your family first. Make sure to to connect and be present in the real world. But don't forget about leveraging these platforms in a way that can help you out as opposed to being scared of them. Yes, yes, exactly. And now that LinkedIn is allowing you to upload videos natively, I think LinkedIn is, people are getting very excited. I heard a rumor LinkedIn is coming out with LinkedIn Live, maybe by the end of the year. Crazy. It's already October. So that could be in the next two months, we could be able to go live on LinkedIn. You know, of course, it's going to be lots of spammers, but it is a great way to get your message out. LinkedIn is very active right now. So if you were looking to connect with event organizers, with other speakers, I do recommend LinkedIn. Awesome. All right. Well, you have heard it here with Doreen and get online, get your face in front of that camera, lock yourself in a room until you're comfortable and continue to spread your message however you can to change the world. And if you do it well, then you can get paid for it. Doreen, it has been a pleasure, super fun. I'm excited to see you online and we'll see you around the world. Thank you, Ryan. All right, bye now. Bye.